What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast. On today's episode, we have another amazing interview, and that's coming up right now. so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, one of those. My name is Josh, and I'm here with the always beautiful Miss Christy. Hi. How are you? I'm Christy. She's Christy. Hi, I'm Christy. <laughs> so on today's show, if you have any understanding of what it means to, to get a perspective or a point of view from a family law attorney that has a blended family, this is definitely the show for you. So let me tell you who's on today. His name is Seth Nelson. He is a Tampa-based uh, family law right known lawyer known for devising creative solutions to difficult problems. He is not just an attorney; he is also a podcaster. His podcast is "How to Split a Toaster." It's a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. That's pretty awesome. He focuses on helping families stay together and navigate hard times. Ooh, are you ready? Yeah. All right. Without further ado, let's bring Seth on to the show. All right, everyone, we want to welcome, personally welcome, Seth Nelson to the show. Seth, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you, Josh and Christy. Hi. We appreciate it so much. This is going to be a really fun, engaging, and entertaining, and informative uh, interview because there's some really cool stuff about Seth that uh, our audience doesn't know about, which we'll get into later in the show. But first, uh, Seth, will you tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of where you're from, things of that nature? I mean, I always start with the most important thing is we all wear different hats. So mm -hmm. the best hat I've ever worn is a dad. Aww. And it's um, it's the hardest job in the world to me. I think being a mom or a single mom is actually the hardest job in the world because um, of the societal pressures that are put on women. Uh, but for me, being a dad is, is vitally important in my life. It's a lot about who I am as, and I, my identity. And I am a fiance, which I love my soon to be spouse. And that's super important uh, to me. And like all of us, you know, I'm a nephew, I'm an uncle, I'm a son. So we have all those other relationships. And also I happen to run a divorce law firm. And so I'm an attorney and I value deeply the relationships that I have with our team members and uh, with our clients because they're going through the most difficult time of their lives and they're really good people and we're just trying to get them through it and uh, have them hopefully leave us better than when they first called us. And yeah. sometimes they don't necessarily feel that way, but a year or two down the road, maybe they do. Yeah, I love that. So you're going to be, or you are, I shouldn't say you're going to be, you're engaged. So you are a blended family. So how long have you and your fiance been together? 12 years. All right. A little slow oh, trigger, yeah, that, right? Look, a little slow right. trigger. And just for the record, <laughs> this is a kind of a little sexist tone I felt there, Josh. <laughs> I wasn't the one holding that up. All right. Okay. All like, right. It's a little twist there. People always think that it's the guy that didn't want to get married. But to her credit, um, 
we actually split up a couple of years in there, which is probably the best thing that ever happened to us because it allowed us to really rethink about what we wanted in our lives and who we wanted in our lives to walk next to for as long as our days. And it probably wouldn't have worked if we would have gotten married way back when, when I wanted to. So mm-hmm. I think patience was a virtue in this, this instance. And, um, we've had the blended family. When I first got married to my first spouse, I became a stepdad. And so I still have, um, my son has an older half sister who I still feel is like my own. She's had me wrapped around her little pinky since she's been three and it has never loosened its grip, even though she's (laughs) 23 now. And my, uh, fiance has, uh, a 22 year old, a 16 year old. I have an 18 year old. So much like you guys, though, it's very easy for you. You say you have four children. I have to think about how many I have. Um, (laughs) but I've got four in my heart, but I only have to pay for half of one college. So that kind of helps out. (laughs) It takes a little bit of the burden off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's similar to Josh and I. So Josh has, uh, his daughter is 25, but she's not biologically his. She mm-hmm. was two or three when he got with his now ex-wife and uh, has then, then they have their son together. And so it's the same thing. Like she lives with us. I could still call her my stepdaughter and mm-hmm. it's very like, we love her. He's, I mean, raised her. So it's a very similar story yeah. for yeah, us and as Christy, well. On that. I never use the word step mm-hmm. unless we are kind of talking in these scenarios. Yeah. Or sometimes like my son has a stepdad, Steve. And when Kai introduces him, he'll say he's my stepdad or I'll say, oh, that's Kai's stepdad because that's just what people use. And that's actually the legal term. Yeah. But I think step has a negative connotation as I strongly believe the word X my ex-spouse, my ex-wife, yeah. my ex-husband is very negative. So I use the term bonus dad. Yeah. And I use the term former spouse. Yeah. So does your your bonus children, do they call you dad or do they have a different different name that they refer to you as? Well, most of the names they call me, I can't really say on the show. Let's be honest <laughs> about it. <laughs> Worse than ex. They just, they just call me Seth and okay. that's perfectly fine with me. And um, you know what? Love them all the same. Doesn't matter what they call me. And um, what I do want, though, is in good times and bad, they actually pick up the phone and text or call. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I don't care what they call me when they're having those difficult conversations or the happy conversations. That's the important stuff. Yeah, our non-bio kids both refer to us as our with our first names too. It's kind of funny. So we know we have, you know, our sons are all bigger than me. I'm only five, nine and our kids are all six foot and over. And so for the years though, they used to call me big Josh because my son's name is Josh, which is kind of funny now because I am not the big Josh. It's right. Not that way. <laughs> but they all refer to us the same, you know, as our first. Yeah, names. it's great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing, you being in family law, uh, being a divorce attorney, and then also having the perspective of having a blended family. You know, I think that's an incredible thing. I think that, you know, offers you a different type of perspective. So how do you feel that benefits you as an attorney in these situations of having your own blended family? I think it helps my clients immensely. And especially now that I've had the arc of 16 years almost of um, being divorced Mm -hmm. and raising a child under two separate roofs. 
um, having the blended family when I first got married, having a blended family afterwards. And there's just some what I call tricks of the trade that I've learned and I can pass those on to clients. So one example is when you're in a blended family, it's really important to understand what your role is. Mm-hmm. And as much as those non-biological kids that you love and you want to mentor and be supportive of, you are not the disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. And your job is to support your spouse. Mm-hmm. And if your spouse needs help and she asks you or he asks you, then you provide the help. So sometimes I'll say to, to I'll just call her my spouse. It's easier than fiance all the time. But I'll say to my <laughs> spouse, I'll say, do you want some unsolicited advice? And sometimes the answer is no, I yeah. don't. I just want to vent and I want you to listen. And the answer is no. I'm like, okay, do you want a foot massage? And then I'll start try to make her laugh, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's, what can I do to help? And sometimes the answer will be nothing. I want you to do nothing. So to understand that role on the blended family and not to overstep your bounds and to be there to help and support your spouse and also support your spouse when they're dealing with their former spouse. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to argue with your spouse about arguing with their former spouse. That's not supportive. Yeah. So that's the biggest lesson I think that I can pass on. Now there's all little tricks of the trade on how you can help and how you can have a positive relationship with your former spouse. And it, it takes two. I'm not talking about when there's domestic violence. I'm not talking about when they're narcissists and I'm sure. not talking about when they're trying to do character assault or there's mental illness or drug or alcohol abuse. There's a lot of reasons why it's extremely difficult to co-parent with a former spouse. Um, but for the most part, there's some things you can do to try to make things better. Right. Good. So as a divorce attorney, you have a podcast and I love the name of your podcast, how to split a toaster. Uh, and so why do you care about saving relationships? Because you're a divorce attorney. I know you're a family law attorney too, but it's so funny because when we tell people like, yeah, he's a divorce attorney, but he wants to save your relationship. People are like, doesn't he want to make money? So I guess it's two, it's two questions. Like, why do you care about saving relationships? But also tell us a little bit about the podcast, how to split a toaster, because I just love the name of that podcast. Yeah. What does it mean? (laughs) Thank you. So, you know, Pete and I, who's my co-host and Andy, our producer, we always get this question. And I think we answer like, how do we get the name? I think we answer it differently every time. Cause I don't think we're really sure we were batting it around, but what it came about because it's really the unsplittable. Right. You can't split a toaster. And then we looked at some graphics that were kind of 50 art deco and very um, architectural like. And we just Mm. really liked that, too, when we were thinking about it, because no matter what, when you're getting divorced, you can't split the toaster. Right. And you're still going to have a relationship with this person, especially if you have children together. So it's really is the unsplittable. So that's really where it came in. And then it is a divorce podcast about saving your relationships because believe it or not, Christy, divorce lawyers have a heart. Susie, my fiance, always says, oh, my God, these guys are hopeless romantics. They'll be married three, four, five times. You know? And I'm like, well, with, with me, it's only going to be two. But here's the deal is I think the most important relationship 
that you need to save is the one with yourself. Yeah. Because so many people lose themselves in their marriage. Yeah. In their parenting, in their profession. That's where terms came up like Miller and Baker and Cobbler, because that's what those people did way back when. And it was John the Baker, which turned into John Baker as his last name. Mm-hmm. Like people identify themselves as their profession. People identify themselves as a parent. Mm-hmm. People struggle to identify themselves as themselves. Yeah. It's always in relation to something else. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that we really talk about is who are you? Did you f- lose yourself? Did you find yourself? What changes do you need to make to make yourself better? And then by doing that, how can we move on and have a better relationship with our children, have a better relationship with our former spouse, have a better relationship with our former spouse's in-laws that might've caused stress during your relationship. Mm -hmm. And you kind of build from there. Mm -hmm. I would have guessed. So I was guessing why your podcast was called how to split a toaster. And I guessed, I bet you he's had to do so many divorces where he had to sit down with them and figure out how to get down all the way, split so many things that it came down to also their stupid toaster (laughs) that he had to sit. So that's what I guessed. It's not a bad guess because the bane of our existence as family law attorneys is dividing up personal property. (laughs) I bet. So first off, how do you describe it? Yeah. Right? Like the vase in the living room? That's not very descriptive when you're going to court. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. In the actual financial value. Yeah. Is so small mm-hmm. compared to the attorney's fees that you're paying. And that's not really what I enjoy doing for a living is sitting down and talking about who gets what. Yeah. I mean, I get really impatient really quick and that's not a strength of mine when I'm doing that stuff. I can acknowledge that fact. Yeah. Um but some people want to pay me a lot of money to sit down and argue about the toaster. Not me. When I got my divorce, I told my lawyer, I'm like, listen, I don't care. They're like, well, you could get alimony too. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want any of it. I'll buy my own toaster. I, bu- I bought my toaster <laughs> when I left. Like, I just want to get a divorce. Just get it done. <laughs> like The thing is too, you know, that we, that I know you deal with firsthand and you sound like you're a very compassionate person, which is amazing to be in your position and do that. Yeah. But to see people treat the, the vase that's inside or the candlesticks that are in the living room to treat the children almost as the same type of property, yeah. you know, as a tug of war between parents. Tell us a little bit about that. What people do to their children during the divorce process is and can be horrific. Yeah. Um, and some days when I go home or I talk to my, to Susie at night, she'll say, how was your day? And I'll be like, it's one of those days I can't tell you about. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I don't want to tell you this horrible thing that a parent did to a child. Yeah. Or I don't want to tell you the horrible thing that a parent said that the other parent did to the child, even though it's not true. It's just Ugh. character assassination. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, some parents don't even realize they're doing it where some do. And the biggest problems I see is the mental health and the addictions 
Yeah. Those are the ones where kids are going to be seriously at risk. Yeah. And statistically, kids do not do well when there's conflict. Yeah. And when you put them in the middle of the conflict, you're just asking for trouble. And what I express to my clients is I can go to court and we're arguing about, and let's say your kid's two, because that's what Kai was when I got divorced. You're arguing over 16 years at best. You're probably arguing over 14 years because once they hit 16, if they can get a car, some kids are driving later now, but mm -hmm. you know, they're doing their own thing. Yeah. Right. But you're playing the long game. You're playing for when they're not just two and 12, but when they're 22 and 32 in 42. Mm -hmm. So how much of this 12 years in like, let's do it when a kid's 10 years old. Now you're arguing over six years or if they're 12 years old, now you're going over four, maybe six, like the time gets really short compared to the length of time that yeah. you are going to be a parent to that adult child. Yeah. True. So really think about how you're behaving and showing them how you deal with difficult situations. Yeah. And if that's putting them in the middle and character assassination and talking bad about their other parent, let me tell you, they figure it out. Mm -hmm. True. And you're going to be on the losing side of that relationship. And when I talk about saving relationships, you're burning that bridge right then and you might never get it back. That's yeah. so true. What is, it is true. That's so true. You know, it's, to, to, to hear the perspective of what you are going to, it's almost like you're counseling. I mean, you are, it's not like you are, you are counseling your clients when they're there. And it's like, we lose perspective through divorce because we have this, I am against this person. And unfortunately things that are attached to us are living, breathing things, right? They're, they're our yeah. children and, and they're just getting caught in the crossfire because we tell people all the time, you know, the one thing we know for sure is your kids didn't want you to get a divorce. They don't want new parents. They don't care about having multiple Christmases as much as media makes that to be funny and a joke. It's, right. it's not ultimately they want their parents together. So the crossfire, you know, and given parents a perspective of, you know, you want to really put your kid through this over four years, you know, over four, that's a, such a, it's an interesting perspective, but that's, and I believe that'd be helpful. I would shift that just a little, Josh, because I agree with you. I would say a child never chooses to be in a divorced family, but there are kids are like, it's not that I want my parents to get divorced. I just want the conflict to stop. Yeah. Sure, that's good. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. So sometimes it's like, get divorced. Like I'm tired of the yelling. Yeah. Like either yeah. stop yelling or live in separate houses, yeah. you know, yeah. but, but to your point, the kids didn't pick it. It's not their fault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that for certain it's not their fault. And to treat them as those possessions, yeah. you're just asking to not have a relationship with your kids down the road. Yeah. That's so true. What do you see? Uh, in divorces, since you probably deal with them way more than we deal with them. Uh, what's I hope the, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's the main reason that you see that people end up getting a divorce? I know what's the terminology that people say in law, like uh, on something. Oh, irreconcilable. irreconcilable differences. Yeah. 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 Okay. But that's just kind of like a blanket. Yeah. So blanket statement. Here's the deal with that, Christy. You see it on all the celebrity divorces. Yes. Like irreconcilable differences. Yeah. And it's on TMZ, you know, yeah. and I've had clients that got picked up on TMZ and there we are. Right. Yeah. And, 
And um, the reason that's there is because, for example, in Florida, under Florida law, if you're in a different state, check your local jurisdiction, we so say on the toaster. But yeah, I am required by law, if I'm representing a client in a divorce, to say that there's irre- irreconcilable differences. If okay. I do not put those words in the legal document, the other side could say, or the judge could say, Mr. Nelson, you did not properly plead or oh. state your case. Wow. And I'm going to dismiss your case unless you tell me there's irreconcilable differences. Because if there's not irreconcilable differences, I'm not going to grant the divorce. Wow. Gotcha. So we see it all the time. I don't even think about it. I mean, I check to make sure it's there. Yeah. But I don't assign any meaning to it. Yeah. Gotcha. But the media does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What I see as the single biggest reason that people get divorced is a lack of communication. Mm. And that covers all gamuts of their relationship. It's true. It's true. And there can be two people that love each other, raised a family together, and grew apart in the process. Yeah. Mm I'm not saying anyone did anything intentionally wrong. They might not have any ill will towards each other, but they might just be waking up one day and like, who is this person? Right. The kids are graduating. We've done our job. We've lost our connection. Why is that? Because we didn't communicate along the way that we were losing our connection. Yeah, we don't get intentional about communicating, right? Like you said, we get comfortable in not communicating and it right. becomes a, a something that is in not intentional. You know, it's, it's, we're not intending it to be a bad thing, but over time it grows to be a very poor thing. We grow apart. We end up getting older and saying, Oh, it's more comfortable for me to sleep in a different bed. And it's just, you know, it's more convenient because the dogs like to sleep with you. And it's like, we can snore. We got, you snore, right? We right. get, we get it. Right. And we're just, you know, those are just small little things, but overall though, those little things grow into big things because we're not super intentional about, about communicating, which is really, really hard. And and I'll share with your listeners and with you something that Susie and I do almost every day. We have a cup of coffee together. Mm-hmm. We don't live in the same house right now. But every morning, I will call her once she gets up because I get to work early. I'll take a 10-minute break. I'll have a cup of coffee. She has a cup of coffee. And we talk on the phone. Yeah. And we're intentional about our communications. Yeah. Love it. And when we happen to be under the same roof on vacation, whatever, then when we get up in the morning, I make her a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she'll have it in bed and I'll I'll sit on the chair. Sometimes she'll come out to the living room and we actually have a name for it. It's called coffee service. So I bring yeah. her coffee service every morning. Okay. Yeah. Love it. In fact, this morning she says, I made my own coffee. It's really overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that goes to your point, Josh, is we are intentional about our communication. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you don't want to lose that connection. And it it could be five minutes. Now, I'm not saying people should have coffee. Some people might go for a walk together. Some people might have a glass of wine together at the end of the day. Some people might play cards or a board game or whatever the case may be. But that connection, and it doesn't have to be daily the way we do it. That's good for us. Mm -hmm. But some people are like, I'm good if we do it every three days. 
but it has to work for both of you. Yeah. Right. I agree. And in that time frame, it could just be laughing and joking or talking about the day or the current events or the kids or whatever the case may be. But you find a way to make sure that you are staying connected on a daily, couple day, weekly basis, or whatever it is. For yeah. You guys. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you were going to give someone some advice, right? So they were going to come to you and they're, they're having some issues with, within their marriage and they just don't have the funds to hire an attorney. Where, where would you help them to start or what would, what would be your advice to give to them in the beginning? Where would they go? What would they do? So are they actually ready to get divorced? No. Like they've made They the think decision. they are. They think they, they, think they are. They are. Okay. Yeah. So in that scenario, I would take the money aside and say, here's the key. Can you put your head on the pillow at night and know that you've done everything that you can do mm -hmm. to continue to walk this path with your spouse? Right? I don't like, say, saving your marriage. I don't like talking about failed marriages. I don't like using these terms that have connotations that I don't believe fall within that. Mm -hmm. So if someone's telling me that they're the victim of domestic violence, I'm not going to tell them to do everything they can to save their marriage. I'm going to tell them to get protection. Yeah, that's good. Right? Yeah. So th there's a there's a wide range of scenarios. If you're just kind of like we've discussed before, you've grown apart, is there a way to rekindle that? And have you done the hard work that you need to do? Yeah. Have you had these conversations? Have you gone and been open, honest, and vulnerable mm. about things that you could have done different or are willing to change because you want to keep this person in your life? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And are you willing to make an effort at that? Understanding that they too need to make some changes to keep you in their life. And these are just requests. They're never demands. Right. I like that. Right. Because if you're making demand, that's control. You can just say, look, this is what I think would work for me. I'm requesting that you do this. Yeah. Right. And there's also ways to really think about how you're being heard and how you're hearing the other one. So my answer, Josh, is have you done the hard work on you? Right. Yeah. yeah. Not on them. Yeah. You can't change them. And if the answer is that is no, I would encourage them to try. Now, sometimes I get, I'm just tapped out. I'm too exhausted to do the hard work. I can't get up off the mat figuratively, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if you're just that beaten down, and I'm not even saying the other person did anything wrong. I, I mean, I'm really tr not trying to put blame on this, but if you're just looking inward and saying, I'm done. Yeah. I'm doing you a disservice to say, go do more work. Right. Because you're sure. prolonging the inevitable and it makes it harder. Yeah. Right. Which is but true. if they don't have money to hire an attorney, they're legal aid organizations, there's free clinics, well, there's lawyers that have um, free consultations like we do and we can frame the issue. Sometimes your spouse might have money, you might have assets where a lawyer will wait to get paid. Um, you can go to court, ask to get temporary relief and, you know, cause I get people that get cut off and I'm like, okay, yeah. but I get to see their assets and their mm -hmm. financials and I'm willing to take the risk that I'll get paid down the road sometimes. But well, if I'm taking that risk, you better be a great client. 
<laughs> right. Like, I don't want to argue with you about everything. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is true. So, yeah. You're paying for your own advice at that point. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And, and, right. You know. <laughs> well, Seth, it was amazing having you on. Thank you so much for taking time and, uh, you know, and just sharing your wisdom and your experience with our listeners and our viewers. If they want to get in contact with you, where would be the best place for them to do that? Well, we're at um, nelsonlg.com. So N-E-L-S-O-N-L-G.com. It's NLG is the name of our firm because it's not just about me. We have a full team of lawyers and legal assistants, paralegal that help you through the process. And as Christy pointed out, we have a podcast, uh, How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Wherever you get your downloads and streaming and podcasts, you can find it. If you Google it, we are the number one search, I'm sure. Um, and it's just non-legal advice to help people get through this. Um, yeah. But also, there's a lot of other ways to get through a divorce and other people to reach out to. There's mental health counselors. There's your uh, religious organizations, whether it's your priest or your rabbi or whoever you turn to for guidance. Um, but remember, when you're reaching out to people, keep an open mind, but they all have an agenda. Mm, yeah. And that might not fit what you're doing, but just because they have an agenda doesn't mean the advice they're giving you is bad. Oh. So you got to set that apart because some religious leaders, rabbis will work hard to tell you my goal is to keep you married. Right. Sure. Right. Some yeah. divorce attorneys are like, my goal is to get you divorced. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying either one of those is a bad agenda depending on where the person is. Yeah. But always just keep in mind what, are they giving me advice for me or is it tainted right. in some way? And also talk to your friends, but talk to them in ways to tell them how they can help you because they don't know. Right. So good. They want to help. They have no idea. Do I talk about it? Do I not talk about it? And literally you can say, I would really just love to go out for pizza and not talk about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or let's have a girl's night out or let's go to a ball game or you know what? I know you guys are going out for date night. Do you mind if I just join for drinks or appetizers? And then I'll excuse myself. Enjoy your meal. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be a third wheel all night, but it'd be nice to get out. And when you as the couple open yourself up to that, some of that could be great for people who are going through it. That's good. Who are sitting home alone and they don't want to go eat by themselves. Right. So there's all sorts of stuff like that. So these are just little tidbits. And remember, I have an agenda. My agenda is to try to provide help. But if you're listening to this and you think, well, that's dumb, don't use it. Yeah. It's good. Take what you want, discard what you don't, yeah. see if it works for you, test it out, and listen to great shows like yours. Yeah. We appreciate it. You know, the thing is, we can be, we're, it's never good to be arrogant enough to think that we're for everybody. And that's just not the way that it is, you know? Right. So we appreciate your candor in that. We appreciate uh, your wisdom today on our show. And thank you so much. And we'll make sure to put everything, all the links down, just so everybody knows, uh, down in the show notes. So you can check out Seth and his firm and also check out his podcast and, uh, and make sure that you like and subscribe on that as well. Seth, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. Josh, Christy, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks.
Thank you so much for being here for this interview today. We really, really pray and hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. We'll make sure that we leave all the information, all the links to get in contact with Seth and his firm down in the show notes. Do you have any parting words before we check out today? I just like that he is interested in saving the relationship, of course, and unless it's in the instances of like there's abuse of some sort going on. Yeah. But I really like that how important that is to him to make sure that the relationships, you know, have you done everything you can to save your relationship before you just get a divorce? Yeah, you know? I thought it was really cool. He didn't really chop up and start talking about all the different laws that are available and all these things. Like, it's like, he really wants to talk about caring for the people. Yeah. And so I love that about him. And I love that his firm cares just as much about the people, you know, than about hiring them as an attorney. So it's awesome. Make sure you go to his website and to the links and check out his podcast because it's pretty funny. And hey, just so you know, in the future, we just may or may not be on an episode. Just so you They know. may choose not to air it. They may not. And we may not choose to do it. No, we'll be on. <laughs> so we want to thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you next Tuesday at seven. Bye.